All right, I'm Dan and welcome to the Stage Fright podcast where we talk mental health while working in creative industries. Today on the show, I'm talking to opera singer Grace Loveless. Let's talk about murders. Because not enough podcasts talk about murders. No. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about Grace's move from working with the police into opera singing. And I'd been thinking for a long time, what happened to performance? And learning at a young age that it isn't just about talent. You've got the voice, but you need to want to do this. You're 14, you've got to want to do this. Perceptions of the industry. I've had this really misguided perception that if I was going to be discovered, I would be discovered. We talk about the thing that most creatives do and self-sabotage. I don't necessarily think of myself as somebody who self-sabotages, but definitely identified recently that this is what I do. We talk about the only true way of learning. When you're training, you can only really learn by putting yourself up for criticism time and time again in a really public setting. And the importance of having the right vocal coach. But I definitely was not doing well with somebody constantly saying, no, 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 that's not how you sing. And the future. That's another thing that people don't mention when you're self-employed. Pensions. You're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Here's Grace Loveless. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm cross with myself. Why? Because I planned to ride here, as you know. And you I didn't, didn't ride it. I thought, yeah, I thought that was your big I thing. Didn't. You were going to park somewhere and then yeah, and I, ride in. And, um, and then I, my husband put the willies up me and said, are you sure? Like, you don't know those roads. <laughs> And I was like, I do this all the time. And like, this is what the planet wants, right? The planet wants me to cycle places yeah, rather than drive. Yeah. So it's like, this is a great plan. And then I was like, oh, I don't know though. And actually this leads me into, I've worked out recently my go-to, my default self-sabotage tactic. Yeah. And this leads me into it nicely because I've worked out, and especially around sport, if I'm nervous about something, what I'll do is, it's, I really value sleep. I've read that book, yeah. Why We Sleep. Have you read that one? Nah. Oh, it's really no, good. I do know the book. I do know the book. Do you know Actually, before you start well, talking, because people will be listening to this oh. going, okay, who who are we talking to here? Who's this woman? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, um, <laughs> I'm Grace Loveless yeah. and I'm trained as an opera singer, yeah. but I train later in life. So it's like a second career. Oh, wow. And um, And then I've sort of found myself not really doing... Well, I do about half opera yeah, and then about half sort of my own projects, other people's projects. I sort of do like comedy, comedy oh, kind cool. of music stuff more. Great. That's how I got to know Grant. Yeah. We'll talk about him later. No, let's not talk about him at all in this no. podcast. No, okay. I, I know he listens to this and he'll be going, he yeah, gets, I can't wait for them to yeah. talk about me. Let's not he talk about him. Actually, you, you, have, you do have a Grant Sharkey mug though. Oh, <laughs> can we change that? Yeah, let's change it. People can hear that. <laughs> so, so I've sort of ended up doing, and I do, I do public speaking. And the oh, reason great. I contacted you about this when you were sort of looking for people to chat to. Yeah. And I said, I don't know if you'd be interested because I do triathlon and I've done an Ironman and I'm doing another Ironman. And that was wow. like, uh, that's probably the other, what did I do? I said half of my time. I don't know. It's probably about a third of my time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So that's. Roughly speaking, who I am. Okay, great. So why the change to opera singing? Well, I was working for the police. I wasn't a policewoman, mm-hmm. but I was in media and communications. I was like head of media. And uh, so what, was your, what was your job role there then? If like, What did you do on a day-to-day basis? Oh, for so that? the easiest way to describe it would be when I was sort of running the media office. So you'd get an incident yeah. and then you'd get a murder. Let's talk yeah. about murders. Let's do, let's do a murder, yeah. yeah. That's what people really want to know. Because not enough podcasts talk about murders. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except for Lucy Worsley's Lady Killers. Yeah. I don't know if you've um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so a murder comes in, fresh off the... Right. 
off the fresh streets. off the streets the the rough streets of dorset yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, you get a murder and then you've got like all the media going what is going on here and so they put those calls through to the media office Okay. At the police headquarters. And so I'm running that team that gives them what information we can give them. Generally speaking, what information we can't give them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we won't tell you anything for... Do, and did, will they phone you up and be like, who is it? What is their name? Like, yeah, yeah, like, all of that. So you've got to know media law. So I had to learn, like, yeah, wow. media law and what I could, what I could release and what I couldn't. Um, and then you've got backhanded sort of tactics. I remember we used to have this... This is quite a while ago now, so some of this is a little yeah. bit, like... No, this is great. This like, is hazy. Um, but we'd have this called a backline. I think it was called a backline because it was literally like rooting through the back of the oh, office okay. for officers to call. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Right. So you got your colleague, but we used to call it the bat line because that was better <laughs> and cooler. So we're the bat line, and then you've got like sneaky journalists that somehow find out that number and oh, they call wow. you on that in the middle of an incident and sort of like. I can't even, I can't remember what. Would they pretend to be officers and say? I, think, I can't, that, that, I don't that's, wanna, that's impersonating an officer. I don't want to slur them in that way, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think they, I don't, I honestly think I could say I ever experienced that, but I think they would just come in on that line because they knew that um, sometimes we'd turn off, that was it, we would turn off the media phones because yeah. we'd be inundated yeah, and we'd put a message on those, but we'd always have to keep the bat line free so that officers could call through with the latest and then that's when they would root themselves through that. I don't, I don't honestly, Honestly, think I could say they impersonated anyone, yeah, but they would yeah. say, "Oh, hi, so, so, oh, I just found this number." And oh, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, similar. great, yeah. Well, that's quite interesting because that's that's the sort of job that, yeah, that must exist, but you don't realise yeah. it exists. Yeah, and one of the things actually that you sort of don't realise, or I didn't think about for years, was I was dealing with all these incidents, and you're reading the logs, you're reading blow by blow accounts of what's happening, and people, officers turning up on scenes and seeing whatever they see and you're seeing their very very raw reactions to some really horrific incidents and um and we were never given like trauma training the police officers got it as standard of course they did of course they did absolutely right that they did yeah but um but we weren't like it wasn't malicious it just wasn't thought about that these people reading all this stuff and kind of absorbing it secondhand might need some help sort of processing that kind of thing so i would take an awful lot home with me from that job oh really and i was on flexi time so in essence it was great i was going home at like three four o'clock on a friday or whatever and i had you know a lot of spare time but i wasn't enjoying it because i was so in my head from the job yeah so you're physically clocking off at three four o'clock but mentally you're yeah. dreaming about this stuff yeah you're yeah about this absolutely stuff all the time. yeah dreaming yeah and sort of like reliving it and then and i just got to a point where i thought oh, i was kind of a square peg in a round hole yeah here. so and that quite leads us not on to why you why you would switch careers then isn't it was it yeah. was that mostly the reason yeah some stuff happened i was there for a long time mm-hmm. and i'd got sort of i was in an acting head of department position but they were looking to bring someone else in really and i kind of felt it and they knew it that's always a weird position isn't it yeah you're you're just here like literally like a doorstop yeah (laughs) and that wasn't that wasn't pleasant because i thought where can i go from here and i'd been thinking for a long time what happened to performance because i was doing it when i was a kid yeah a lot and then i just thought where did it like it was almost like waking up and going hang on a minute what about that i used to do this this, this, yeah (laughs) i think a lot of people do that and it's because you need to pay bills. You need to yeah. do stuff. You need to, you know, some people are going off and have kids and then that kind of takes over their priority. And, that's, and yeah. then the sort of the music stuff or the creative side of stuff just sort of takes a back seat for a while. And then before you know it, 15 years have gone by. 
Yeah. Like, oh shit, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't do that. I didn't do that thing. So were you, were you always you you've always been quite talented vocally? Yeah. When I was fourteen, my mum she always wanted me to do opera because she liked it. Okay. And um, she sort of thought she just instinctively felt like I had potential to do yeah. it. And she took me along to see a singing teacher who was actually singing Phantom in the uh, in Phantom at the time. Oh wow! And he said. So I'm 14, I go along to sing for this guy and he goes, yeah, yeah, you know, you've got the talent, you've got the raw, it's like, you've got the voice, yeah. but you need to want to do this. You're 14, yeah. you've got to want to do this. It is all consuming and it's going to take you through for the rest of your life if you mm-hmm. commit to it. So you've got to want to. I was literally like, nah. <laughs> no, I'll just do it on pure talent alone. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know, that's an interesting point. So I just kind of thought, well, all my friends are singing pop. I just kind of want to sing pop songs. Yeah. I've just taken up rowing. So sport has always been a big theme, oh, which wow, I'm sure yeah. will come out again. So I, I kind of didn't want to give that up. I knew I was sort yeah. of enjoying my sport. And, uh, and I like, you know, boys as well yeah. and i thought yeah. like you know i don't want to give that up just yet <laughs> and obviously i've given that up now so yeah yeah, yeah. um because i'm an opera singer now you have to um, <laughs> no boys allowed, <laughs> no boys allowed. <laughs> um yeah so i just kind of thought i i just remember it. i remember being really blase about it like no and oh. i did have this thing that like you said i sort of had this really misguided perception that if i was going to be discovered I would be discovered. This is going to yeah. sound so silly to all your listeners and all the people that you mix with. I've just listened to Mark Burford talking oh, yeah. about yeah, the industry and stuff. Yeah. And so this now sounds so ridiculous. But literally until I was about 30, I thought if I'm talented enough, someone will find yeah. me. Someone will come to me and someone will present me with this wonderful trajectory into yes. a career in music. Yeah. And I won't have to really do anything you're, about it. You always be, think when you're younger, when you're playing a band or whatever, you think, oh, cool, the, the record company guy might be might be here tonight. Might be here, yeah. Like, the, this elusive record company guy yeah. like, will be, just be there. Yeah. And you just think, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we'll be good enough and he'll just, he'll just sign yeah, us. Yeah, and good enough. And this is the thing as well, just assume that what talent I've got for singing is the talent I've got. That's it. That's my yeah. voice. I had no concept literally until I was 30. I know that sounds so daft. I keep saying literally, but it's literal. Mm. Until I was 30, I honestly didn't know that I could train my voice to be better. I didn't know I could train myself to do oh, better. Wow. I just thought that that's it. If you can sing, you can sing like that. And if you can't, you can't. And if you're good enough, you'll get found. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? That's mad. That is mad. That's, yeah, that is the kind of thoughts you have when you're younger, but... Like you say, if you're thinking that till 30. I love that you're looking at me and I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I can be that 14, but 30. Yeah. But this is the thing, because I'd kind of gone down this other route of having this sort of very clear vocational path through communications and PR and like media and stuff. And so, excuse me. Yeah, through media and stuff. So I just sort of thought, you know, I just didn't think about it. And then it was like this realisation that I've woken up thinking, oh my goodness I used to be on stage and I really loved that yeah. and I was quite good at that and so so I started doing it in an amateur capacity again yeah and then that really ignited yeah the love for it the love for it and that's where the love your teacher was saying before you need to want to do this and then I guess that's yeah. where the love came back yeah yeah and I, and I am quite sort of like yeah actually again listening to Mark and he was going I'm quite into the universe I believe everything sort of sent yeah. me I'm supposed to learn from things I'm exactly the same great and I just sort of so now looking back, I think, oh, that was all supposed to happen for a reason. Like, I've got all that. I've got all that experience and it taught me something. And there is something about 
getting taken on that trajectory from the age of 14, going mm. into that guy and him saying, do you want to do this? And you're going, yes. And you get taken on that and you become jaded and you and you learn it all and then you don't quite get the jobs that you thought you were going to get and maybe you yeah. give it up by the time you're 30. Whereas yeah. I've gone yeah. off, yeah, done that's great. Else, come back to it. So there's something, there's pros and cons. Yeah, that's it? good for people to hear as well because some people might be listening to this at 30 now thinking, well, I, yeah, I used to do that. Why can't I do that oh, now? And, and they think it's too late. But yeah. listening to your story, it's clear that you can... Yeah. You can quite happily do that. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music for advert free, higher quality, and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. Was it a quick realization or was it over a few weeks, months? Um, yeah, I think uh, it was a very quick realization. It was almost literally waking up and going, was it? why don't I perform? Then to going into amateur stuff yeah. and thinking, with all this flexi time I've got and with all this time off, rather than going home and just rethinking my day at work, yeah. I'm going to go and join an, an Amdram group. And that's good because that takes your mind off the police work yeah. as well. That. Yeah, so that was right. already a really sort of therapeutic thing to kind of go and do. Yeah. So I went and did that. And then, so I was with this group called the Rex Players and they're variety players. What happened was like when uh, a group of them were about 50, sort of like, 50 year old guys in Wareham in Dorset right. and they were sort of the movers and shakers in town so they were the business owners and they were the they were the kind of people that were on all the committees and they were okay this, yeah that kind of thing and they did this charity fundraiser one time when they just larked about and just absolutely made fools of themselves and they got five nights they filled a theatre for five nights in a row with friends and family who just wanted to support them and see them yeah, messing about yeah yeah and it was such a success that it kind of went on from there. So their wives got involved and their families got involved. And then it was a big group of variety players. And like I say, for for many, many years, they were selling out five nights in a row, which is incredible. Wow. Especially now, like after COVID, yeah, yeah. struggling to fill seats still. It's, it's incredible to think that they did that. So they raised an awful lot of money for charity. And I joined them. And they were coming to the end of that period because those people had got older, basically. They'd yeah. been doing it for about 20 years. So they were all in their 70s. People were starting to become less mobile and they were just... And the audiences also were dwindling. The people that were interested in them were just sort yeah. of like fading. So it's a bit of a shame, really. It's just one of those things that just had to come to an end. Yeah. yeah and I, I just jumped on the end, the very end of it and they were like... They're just like family and they just said, you should be doing this. Like, why aren't you in London doing this? Why aren't you doing... Because everyone thinks London, don't they? Like, yeah, everyone goes, got oh, you've to got to go, go to, to London. London. Got to go to London. <laughs> That's where all the people are that help you. And the streets are made paved with gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, but, they were, but they were saying, you know, why don't you do this professionally? And, um, and that was what just, it just ignited a little spark. So this was a, that, that realisation was a bit slower. The realisation that I could actually do it professionally. And then I went for my first opera lesson and my teacher who... She um she spoke for she's like Joanna Lumley, oh. and she said, "Darling, um you could do this professionally. Um tell me why you don't want to." And I was like, "Oh, I literally never said I didn't want to. I didn't yeah. know I could." And she's like, "Yeah, with a voice like yours." Sorry, I'll stop doing the voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to actually... wonder how long she's going to keep that up for <laughs> the whole. Podcast. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the podcast, I'll, I'll be Joanna. Um, it just doesn't carry very well, does it? Um, so yeah, so she sort of said, "Yeah, you could do it with the voice you've." got because i'm a mezzo soprano so yeah i'm lower in range there's a depth to the voice that yeah actually only increases with age oh cool and so therefore the roles are still there you can be 
they would say about mezzo sopranos you you're either witches bitches or britches so you're either old hags and really coming into my old hag <laughs> now i'm really finding this is my peak i think for old hags. and the bitches are like carmen and delilah all the seductresses yeah, the temperatures cool. temptresses yeah uh and then your britches are your trouser roles so you play younger you play young men yeah but okay. in order to do that you maybe are a bit of a more, more mature female voice yeah, with okay. it's a bit lower so so she said if you were a high voice soprano i'd say no you've you've kind of passed it and your competition is going to be too great for you to enjoy this, but you're actually coming into, for your voice, you're coming into the right time. So that's great. Yeah. It that's, that's really nice. Yeah. That, that, well. that is the universe's way of saying, okay, cool. Here you go. Now's the time. Yeah. Now do it. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And like I said, like before I had all this flexi time, my salary was not too bad. I had a really good pension with the police, you know, set up. And I was 28 when I was doing this acting head of, communications role which is fairly young so i was doing all right for a Mm. 28 year old 28 year old woman um so essentially that was a dream in itself but no this is the dream like yeah uh, yeah i'm constantly chasing my tail paying (laughs) paying bills and paying for things i want to do but it's well worth it that's another thing that people don't mention is you when you're self-employed pensions you Mm. know i am constantly thinking oh hang on what am i actually going to do yeah when i'm older and no one thinks I'm good looking enough to stand on stage now anymore. <laughs> like, what am I actually going to do? And my sister said, oh, well, what you what you probably do at that point is just sell all your equipment. And I was like, oh, that's quite a sad isn't it? thing, yeah. isn't it? To get older and just be like, oh, well, see you later. I think this is now going to pay for the retirement home. Woo! <laughs> 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 yeah. My best friend is a, um, she's a barrister and she's got, a, so she's self-employed as mm-hmm. well and she was she was talking about her plan the other day she's like so i'll just sell my property i'll move into a hotel on like the cornish coast or something for as long as that money lasts and then i'll just sort of like walk out to sea wow <laughs> just walk out to sea how depressing <laughs> that's great original pairing, like, yeah. that's lovely yeah All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW, which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans account. Apparently, I I don't know, I've been been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back to the show. So, do we talk about you being annoyed why you didn't cycle At myself, here? yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, because that's it. I was going into so yeah, my... Yeah, let's go back to that before I introduced you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you were going to drive somewhere and then cycle the rest of the way to here, weren't you? So, I've done an Ironman and I'm doing yeah. another one on the 1st of October. So, that's less than three months away now. What is that, like 10 weeks away? Yeah. I think it's about 10 weeks away. And, um, and so, I'm fully into my training plan and I've got to do a four-hour, 10-minute ride... I'm actually supposed to then run for 20 minutes afterwards. A four-hour, 10-minute ride? What is that? Oh, oh, right. oh, four hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. sorry, I've split those. I've got to ride so, for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Get, Every get four off. hours. And then, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. A f- yeah, basically a four-hour ride. Let's just, yeah. let's just break it down to that. And I thought, brilliant. 
what I can do is drive to Salisbury. Mm-hmm. It's about two hours on the back roads to cycle. Yeah, and it's a Salisbury straight road from here. So. And over. Yeah. No, you see, and the more I talk about it, the more annoyed I'm getting at myself. <laughs> and as I was driving up here, I saw other cyclists on the road. And I was like, this would have been lovely and it would have yeah. been different terrain because I'm so used to cycling where yeah. I live. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But I'm just so bored of like the same old yeah, routes. Yeah, I bet. So I was like, perfect plan. I can cycle up here for two hours, chat to you. Okay, I'm taking a break in between, but I do enough training. I'm sure it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Get back on the bike, cycle back for two hours. And I just didn't do it. And this is my go-to self-sabotage. I've realized because I value sleep so much, yeah. what I tend to do, because I don't, I don't necessarily think of myself as somebody who self-sabotages, but... Mm definitely identified recently that this is what i do okay when i'm nervous about something and generally it is in my training it generally is the bike rides the long bike rides because a they're boring and b i'm not very fast at cycling so i just kind of slightly dread the feeling yeah so i was like yes yeah, so i've got this plan tomorrow great got the plan oh but like if i go to bed too late or if i wake up in the middle of the night that's it for me. It gives me my get out. So I wake up, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I'm like, right, that's it. I haven't had uninterrupted sleep. Therefore, I'll be too tired in the morning. Oh, so wow. I can justify not doing what I said I was going to oh, do. Oh, it's an easy out. It's an easy it's an out. Easy out yeah. But I like force it myself. I force mm. myself to wake up. I force myself not to fall asleep. Do you think subconsciously because you're thinking that your body wakes you up in the yeah. middle of the night? Then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I sleep really, really well other than that so yeah. sleep's not i'm not like a big insomniac or anything but that is definitely the thing because i didn't when i did the first iron man i was super super prepared i had everything ready i was well trained i was looking forward to it and then i couldn't get to sleep yeah. that night and it was i think it was just a classic case of whatever a classic case of insomnia is but <laughs> was, yeah you know standard insomnia, standard this, insomnia. Was, this was high level at <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. but this is self it was just so self-inflicted it was just me going well the more i stay awake because i kept thinking to myself if i if i don't get to sleep soon i can't possibly do it on mm. four hours sleep i can't possibly uh, as it happened i did only get about four hours i did wake up and i did go and do it <laughs> do you find that once you start you actually enjoy it yeah it's oh. just the starting point that's it's the worst it's just the starting and when and it's that i definitely if i was doing a two-hour ride no problem mm-hmm. three-hour ride yeah okay once you get to that four-hour training bit and that's what i've got from now until the ironman it'll be between four and six hour rides once a week it's just daunting isn't it just that what do you do do you listen to music do you listen to no podcasts do you, do you not listen to anything no i wouldn't listen to anything because i mean you can you can get my friend's got these headsets so when she comes down and we ride together well, it makes all the difference because you've got somebody to ride with anyway yeah, yeah but we can chat on these headsets for about four to five hours oh cool oh yeah because i guess it's windy you can't hear each other yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah cool. so yeah and so vocally that's really bad actually yeah. if i'm if i am on a ride without them i'm someone's screaming at me like what did you do at the weekend (laughs) 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 so i don't really enjoy that anyway yeah so when she's got the headsets it's ideal and they play music so i know you can have music yeah and i think you can use like the bone conduction ones oh yeah cool because then you're hearing the traffic around you but yeah, i just i personally wouldn't risk it on my own because oh, really? yeah feel really vulnerable as a lone rider anyway so i'd want to be as alert yeah. as i can be so it's just me with my thoughts i chat to myself i, I yeah. try and talk to myself like a coach yeah so i'll be like oh that's quite good 
So like on form and stuff, I'll be going, okay, so just keep this long and strong. You're on the flat here, just keep it long and strong. Okay, you've got a hill coming up and I'm literally just oh, that's great. myself. That's really good though. Yeah. That's a really good way of, way of doing it. I, th- I think most creatives chat to talk to themselves. I hope so. Like, that's I, good I, to know. Like, I do it quite a lot because, I mean, I work here on my yeah. own quite a lot. So I do go, right, and I physically say the words out loud. Yeah. Okay, cool, I've got Grace coming over. Let me set up those mics and then yeah. I'll just do it. And then because I've said it out loud, I kind of seem to sort of remember it more. Yeah. But I think a lot of creatives talk to themselves, yeah. Well, that's good. And if yeah. not, we, are, we look really stupid now. Don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Do you enjoy the Iron Man's when you're actually? Yeah, I love that. Doing... That's completely different. And they, you know, they they either shut off the roads or they're so heavily marshaled that there's an element of this alertness that you've got to have for safety. It's like yeah. out. That's off your plate. That's on someone else a bit, which is nice because then that that leaves you just to worry about the thing that you're doing. Yeah, it's something so different about doing an event. And in fact, I did a Macmillan the Macmillan Big Dorset bike ride the other mm-hmm. weekend. And that's really the first time I've taken myself off on an organised ride. And I loved it. And I didn't think I was going to love it. I did the same thing. I I didn't sleep well, thinking to myself, well, if you don't sleep well, then maybe you just don't go and do it. But I yeah. did. I turned yeah. up and I started it. And I thought, this is brilliant. But just because, again, something's off your plate. You're with a load of other cyclists. So you know, cars are once they've seen 10 bikes, they're in the mindset of, oh, right, there's a ride on. So yeah. that makes you feel safer. And then just having other people to overtake is nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and chat to, you know, I was yeah. chatting to this one guy because I kept overtaking him on a hill and then he kept overtaking me on the downhill. And it oh, got okay. silly. We were just kind of singing to like, oh, hello again. <laughs> so you get a little bit of like banter like that. It's nice. Yeah. So doing the events is not a problem. It's just the just it's the prep for it the training yeah that is the sort of vibe of the podcast really because it's called stage fright yeah but actually being on stage isn't frightening no. it's, it's the easiest bit of yeah. the whole job it's all the prep that goes so that's quite interesting to hear even in that world it's still quite similar and yeah. also like trying to get around that idea of a sort of four hour ride i was trying to think the other day what will make this better like four hours just seems like such a long time stretching out in front of me what about if um i try and break it down so you can break it down into time slots yeah but that's kind of miserable just waiting for the next half an hour yeah. to roll around yeah so like on the iron man there's like obviously groups on facebook and this guy had designed this tiny little sort of table that you you printed out and stuck to your crossbar and it just listed all the sort of key climbs that were coming up all the key towns that you're going to go oh, to or cool. villages you're going to go yeah. through and it listed like where all the stations where you're going to get a banana or oh yeah yeah cool. water or whatever yeah. and um so you had this little thing and i printed it out put it on my crossbar and it was brilliant because you just thought i've just got to get to that one and then i just got to get to that yeah. one and then and then you're like, and then I can if have I take them off, and then I can do that. Then it'd be done, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So and so, I tried to do that in my training. I thought, right, just get to the next point. So I try and do this thing like as if I was on a bus, and I'll be like, next stop, Corf Castle. <laughs> 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 this is Corf Castle. Next stop. So I do that to myself sometimes, but um, again, it doesn't it doesn't quite deal with the sort of half an hour in between <laughs> yeah 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 with yeah. you where you're alone with your own thoughts yeah do you say you're public speaking yeah what's that like so i call that my photocopying which actually i like the analogy but it does sound a little bit like i don't i don't care very much about my yeah. public speaking i do i love it yeah. but my my point was I was talking to my husband and I was like, there's got to be a bit of my job that is like my photocopying. If I was in a nine to five office job, there's got to be something I can do that's almost mindless. I can put, I can turn my hand to it without, without 
Without thinking about thinking it. Thinking about much, it. Yeah. Like you were saying, without the prep, without being yeah. without it being monumental. And on those days when I'm just like, Ugh, I can go and do my photocopying, make a bit of money and, yeah. and just enjoy myself. Yeah. Like just lose lose myself in it. And I was like, Yeah, I can I can talk. until the cows come home and I can talk about myself and what I do and I tell people anecdotes like lots of people don't know anything about opera ask me and I can just reel it off now because I've been doing it for a while and I was like oh yeah I could just do that so I did an audition for Women's Institute and um, you go to this audition day and I thought, oh, there'll just be a couple of ladies there from the county office and I'll just (laughs) sort of like do 15 minutes of chatting and they'll be like, yes, lovely dear there were over 70 women there. Wow. So you get representatives from each institute from the county and they all listen to, they listen to about eight speakers over the course of the day and they mark you as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you have to do half an hour of your talk, which is basically most of my talk. Yeah. Because they're only like 45 minutes anyway. And uh, you have to like properly audition it. So I got there, I was like, oh my God. Um, Did you feel well, unprepared straight away? No, no, no. I knew, <laughs> I knew, knew I'd be yeah, fine actually. Yeah. But prior to me, there were two talks about gardening. And um, <laughs> I said to my mum, because my mum's been a member for years and she was the one who sort of said, look, you get, you know, they'll, they'll pay you a little bit of money every time you go and do one of these talks. Yeah. Once you do one WI, word spreads, they go and tell another one, they say, oh, can we book you? So she was like, you should, you should think about it. So she was great for like getting me there. She came to the audition with me. She said, why don't you go on and just start talking about flora and fauna and shrubberies and see, yeah. <laughs> see if they all switch off. I'm like, oh no, not another garden talk. So I, anyway, I didn't. I went and spoke and, and it was brilliant. After, after that, I got booked for about 25 wow. this year from every sort of institute in the room. Then you get put on a list for county. So then they get sent out to each institute and they look on the list and they go, oh, here you're available for talks. And then from that, I've had U3As, Rotary Clubs, the sort of standard oh, wow, groups cool. that meet that want so to. So what do you do? What? So they have a speaker for every meeting. Yeah. Um, so they, they do their they have their business bit where the committee gives an update and stuff. And then yeah. they have like a 45 minute speech. And so I'm booked in for that. And then they, every so often they have bigger meetings, have group meetings where sort of three, four institutes come together. Yeah. And then they, they make a bit more of a thing of that. They might have like a cake competition as well or something. So how many people will, will, will you be talking to? So I speak to about, uh, it was normally about sort of 30 to a hundred, depending some of the smaller yeah. institutes and then and yeah so I'd, I'd, and so I, I go and talk to them my talk's called glitz glamour and blowing raspberries because mm-hmm. i deal with the sort of perception of being an opera singer the glitz yes. and the glamour great and then blowing raspberries which is the reality yeah is me in my two-bedroom flat in a little dorset village yeah. <laughs> in the spare room looking at myself in front of the mirror blowing raspberries yeah <laughs> and so and as part of it i always get a couple of them sort of saying and will you sing a song Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm like, well, my performance rate is, it has to be higher. There's more, there's more at stake for me. Yeah. You know, there's more I need to prep. But I'll always kind of throw in a little aria at the beginning. And I'll sing Jerusalem if that's part of their meeting. Some of the sort okay, of cool. stalwart WIs still stand and sing Jerusalem. So I'll lead that if they want me to. Yeah. And I tend to do a little vocal warm up with them getting blowing raspberries. And oh, cool. We have a laugh. It's brilliant. Oh, I love that's great. It. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash dan parkinson music right so let's get on to the opera yeah are you quite an anxious person so i didn't think i was i don't i don't consider that i am okay but i think i am really <laughs> i think i was do you think the opera brought it back out of you? yeah definitely like i went back to oh, actually i know that in your sort of briefing notes you sort of 
touched on imposter syndrome yeah. and definitely have been through the cycle with that because yeah. going out of something where I knew exactly what I was doing and it was very formulaic like it's on paper yeah you know how to deal with the media like I said media law it's there in black and white you know what you need to apply or employ yeah. to get the job done and I go back into something where not only am I like technically a complete beginner up against people who are generally speaking they've trained to be experts but they're 10 20 years young hang on well, I was 30 at the time so yeah 10 years younger yeah. than me then you you're putting yourself out there as a performer anyway that is wearing your heart on your sleeve isn't it yeah. it's my voice it's something I I can offer but I have no control over like that's how it sounds yeah that, that's it yeah um it's something where when you're training you can only really learn by people by putting yourself up for criticism time and time again in a really public setting. Yeah. I've done what, like four million <laughs> masterclasses and workshops <laughs> where you go in in the morning. I don't know if you do have anything like that. Like, have you ever had to do like workshops and stuff? It's a real singer thing. I think. No, only for um, guitar setup stuff, but that's okay. a completely different. To learn the, how to set Yeah, to learn, yeah. yeah. So with singing, this is, okay, so this is quite a unique thing then, I think, especially with classical singing. Because, like, singing teaching, there's no, like, recognised sort of body hmm. of certification, really, for so anyone can set up and say they're a vocal coach, can't yeah. they, teacher. Yeah. So when you've come out of, when kids have come out of conservatoire, I say kids because they're kids to me now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 40. <laughs> um, Anyone under the age of 25 now kids. is like, they're kids kids litlands when they come out <laughs> when they go out of conservatoire it's like um it, they need to carry on their training the voice still needs to be trained but how mm. do they do that so master classes and workshops are a massive massive deal and you just right. sign up for them time and time again and you put yourself in that position because obviously you're training to be a performer so there is a part of you that wants to stand up and sing for everybody mm. but you're going in the terms are already you're going to come in we're going to tell you that was good but we're going to work with you on a few things we're going to break you down build you up again you're going to leave like maybe a little bit better <laughs> yeah and that's the cycle I went through for years because I pieced together my own sort of training through these workshops and things, yeah. masterclasses. So I went and did loads of these. And so, again, feeling like an imposter, you sort of stand and sing what you think is like you gave your best performance. Yeah. And someone goes, are you aware that you were slightly under the note? And you're like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. And some people like that. Some people really thrive off that yeah like, criticism, yeah but a lot of cri sorry i need to cough that's because you haven't got the magical green tea with milk drink. i know yeah oh yeah I wonder, is that tea all right nearly finished it gross <laughs> i made grace a tea and it turned out to be green tea and i put milk in it and as soon as i put the milk in it went white it looked like it looks like banana yazoo or banana yeah, yeah. nesquik <laughs> but she seems to like it <laughs> so she goes outside and it is my throws new up. you ruined my training <laughs> um some people thrive off that some people um need that sort of constructive criticism yeah. but a lot of creatives a lot of performance creatives the reason they are performance creators because they like to go this is how good i am at the minute <gasps> yeah yeah <laughs> la 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 yeah, la yeah, yeah. and then have someone go yeah you're okay but not quite yeah you're not quite adele <laughs> yeah oh, oh. okay <laughs> and i thought i was that person because years of rowing from the age of 14 to like 21 is my keys sort or of rowing years where i was doing two sessions a day six days a week like my life was rowing wow. my friends were rowing if i wasn't 
anywhere else I was to be found on the river. And I thought I liked that kind of coaching. Mm. So like tough love, kind of hard, like disciplined. I do like discipline. I do. It's probably why I'm being so hard on myself today for not having got up and followed the plan that I had to, to cycle here. Yeah. I'm being hard on myself about being hard on myself because these days I'm a bit more like, oh, look, it's okay. You know, the energy wasn't right for it. Yeah. So now I'm being hard on myself for like, why does it matter? But it kind of <laughs> does matter to me. And I don't, I don't have all the answers. But when I was younger, I'd, I had this... I had this uh, Australian coach, Pete. Yeah. And um, and I was like famous. I rode in a four at one point. I talked about my best friend who's a barrister and we have a podcast together. She's an Ironman as well. We're doing the oh, next one together. Awesome, yeah. So our friendships like really lasted. It's really strong. And we were in this four. That's where we met. And so obviously four, four people in a boat. And I was always at the back. So I was technically quite good. So yeah. I'd keep it ticking along at the back, but I wasn't the biggest of the girls. Okay. So, um, and that's saying something, isn't it? Because, like, oh, yeah. I'm not the smallest. <laughs> <laughs> like, for the purpose of a podcast. For the purpose of a podcast. I am like five foot nine, um, seven, about, around, about 70 kilos. Yeah. But I was the little one at the back. And so I keep it ticking over. And I just, I constantly like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> she, when I met my best friend, she was weight training and I was partnered with her. This was the first time we'd ever met. And, um, they said, go with Charlotte. And I was like, yeah, sure, sure. They just literally lifted like the bar and went, hey, oh. And she's like, who <laughs> is this? <laughs> she never let me forget it. So I'd say to my coach, I'm, tr- I'm trying. Like, yes, Grace, you're very trying. And so I spent kind of many years whining and somebody just shook me down and just going, look, you just need to sort yourself out. Either yeah. do it or don't. And I kind of thought I responded well to that. I suppose I did to an extent. But then I started doing opera and I had a coach my first teacher was the Joan alumni one. And then, the, and then I had this coach and um, she knew exactly what she was talking about. There is nothing she ever said to me that wasn't right. Like right. everything she said technically rings in my head. Yeah. When I, whenever I sing. Great. She worked with um, Kiri Takanawa. So she knew what she was talking about. Right. But there was something about our dynamic as a coach and a student yeah. that just didn't work and it's oh, so wow. interesting isn't it like yeah i can't say she wasn't good at what she did but for some reason i just crumbled every time i went for a session i came out of it like thinking i don't know why i'm bothering why mm. am i doing this i clearly don't have what it takes i'd still go back for a couple of years this yeah. went on and then i noticed one day going into her house i just noticed my body because doing a lot more sport and stuff became aware of my body because I, di- I dipped out of sport again yeah. uh, a oh, bit okay. when yeah. I was working for the police as well. So that kind of came back into my life, came a bit more aware of my physicality and noticed as I was walking into a house, I was just like, like closing in up. on myself. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, no wonder I can't sing from that place. Yeah. It's like, I can't describe it any other way than like doing it for you and yeah. no one can see that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're kind of just like shelling up essentially. You're yeah. Just, yeah. Just crawling in on yourself. I yeah. Guess. And again, that's nothing to do with her. It's just the dynamic between you two. Yeah. Just didn't... It was her. I mean, it was to an extent, it was her style yeah. of coaching and what I needed so yeah, it isn't to it isn't to do with her. It's to do with the combination of the two yeah. of us. And what I needed, clearly in, but maybe my what I need in singing is different from what I need in sport. Maybe, yeah. um, but I definitely was not doing well with somebody constantly saying, "No, no, no, 
Okay. That's not how you sing. Like she'd say, like no, no, no. She'd say in terms of your voice, it's like you've got a Ferrari, but you're driving it like a Skoda. Right. Like she'd say, no, no, no. That's not good singing. Start again. Like okay. you get. It's very tough. Very it's, tough. Yeah. yeah. Did she compliment you at all? Yeah, she did. And yeah. What did that feel like when you got the compliment though? So that would feel. Oh, I'd be bouncing off the walls after yeah. that. I'd come out like, oh. How was how was your session today? Like, it's like my husband's asked me how was your session. I'm like, oh, today she said, and it's like that one compliment. Yeah. I'd be like, today she said, you know, you really do have a voice that not many people have, or something. Yeah. You know, it was just, but and I'd cling on to it. But the overall effect was negative because, mm. and I had to stop it at some point. I think I re- I was thinking about this on the way up again, listening to Mark's podcast. I don't know why it started started to make me dig into it a bit more mm. and I was thinking about I'm quite when I perform I'm in control of that situation I'm in control yeah. of that audience I'm in control of what performance I'm giving and I love it and I can do it and then I want to learn more and I want to get better yeah. and I want to do better so I let my guard down I become more vulnerable because I see someone in front of me who's got more experience more knowledge more authority and I let myself become vulnerable to let that in, to yeah. receive it, to absorb it. And then and then I feel like it gets misconstrued. Okay. That person then thinks, oh well, that's how she that's how she performs. Yeah. Like, no, that's not how I perform. That's how I am in practice. That's how I am when I'm prepping. I'm hard on myself there. I'll I'll crumble until I get it right. I'll I'll go, oh no, do that again. I'm obviously not going to do that. (laughs) And I feel like if, if that coach ever actually saw me in a performance situation, which I don't think she really ever did. She never saw me when I was, now this is my moment to be in control of the situation show you. I think she'd, think i was a different person I yeah like, i don't even know this girl yeah that's interesting yeah that's a really good way of thinking about it if the people that are teaching you actually bought a ticket came to the show sat down just like a regular punter and just watched you as a performer yeah how would they would think about your performance then yeah that was <laughs> straight away that was part one talking to grace loveless on the stage fright podcast Go follow what Grace is doing musically and with her Iron Man adventures on her Instagram at Grace Loveless and her podcast where she talks more about fitness and the Iron Man challenge, which we will talk about in the next episode at Triumph, T-R-I underscore O-O-M-P-H. If you would like to help out the show, please sign up to my Patreon where for the price of half a coffee a month, you'll get early ad-free higher quality access of the pod, as well as some extra bonus bits and conversations patreon.com forward slash dan parkinson music email me any thoughts and ideas you might have for the pod all right stage fright at gmail.com and find us on instagram at the stage fright podcast and twitter too make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast as it really helps out the show and thank you so much for listening uh, we'll see you in part two bye